So glad you're here today. Welcome, everyone. Uh, to all of, our, all of our folks that brought guests, thank you for inviting people and bringing them out. And to all of our guests, I just want to uh, say once again that we're happy that you're here. Join with our team. Just make yourself right at home. All right? Hey, uh, some really exciting stuff coming up uh, next week, Memorial Day Sunday. Uh, we are having one service at 1030, one service. It's going to be fun. We're getting extra chairs. We're going to open doors. We're going to put people wherever we can. Put people in closets. Like we build a balcony right here. It's going to be all over the place. One service at 1030. We have not done this since we went to two services, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so show up. We've got extra parking. The school across the road is opening up for us to do some parking across there. Uh, so it's going to be a blast. 1030. Uh, we're going to have some worship. I'm going to speak for a little bit. And then uh, we're going to go out and have a good old-fashioned hills social. The grills are going to be going. We're going to have games happening. We've got inflatables for the kids and for the adults. Yeah, so lower your deductible this week, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Next week, it's going to be so much fun. So if you're not going out of town, plan on being here. If you are going out of town, you got plans for Monday, why don't you adjust them and be here at 1030, enjoy this time, and then take off and go. It's going to be a blast. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to be here. Some of you didn't look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to be here. Hey, as you came in, you may have noticed that we have a, we have a table out there and we're, we're selling some books. A uh, uh, s- couple years ago, we did a series called Answers, where we asked you to submit to us some questions that you wanted us to answer, uh, and you did, and, and, and we spoke on that for five or six weeks, and then uh, Ron Smith uh, attends our church, came up afterwards, he's like, man, we, gotta, we need to do some books on this, and uh, so we did, we did some books, uh, we had three of them, how, how, how do I know God's purpose for my life, how do I deal with my emotions, how many could use that right now, how many are seated beside someone that could use that right now, okay, uh, how do I hear from God? Uh, and so we had those books, and then uh, we did this series again last year. And once again, Ron said, I think we need to do something special. And so we did uh, How Do I Build a Healthy Family and How Do I Deal with Anxiety and Fear? How many could use that one right now? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, today as you're leaving, I'd love for you to go by the table and pick up one, two, three, four, or five. Uh, they're $5 a piece, or if you get off, off five of them, they're $20. And all of the proceeds. Seeds, uh, everything that we make on this is, uh, we're, Chris and I are going to donate that to the Vision Fund, okay? So we're not pocketing this money. So go. It'd be okay if we were pocketing this money, right? Right? <laughs> okay. But if not, but they're going to the Vision Fund. So it's a great way for you to give and uh, we can help, help do some really cool stuff. So any first-time guests here today? Your first-time guests? If you're here today? Oh, y'all, how many are there? Oh, y'all. Are there five of you? Oh, this is going to be awesome. Here you go. You can keep all of them or you can share. You don't have to. Though. But I am preaching on giving today, so it could get awkward in just a moment. If you don't like start right now sharing. Now, here you go. You go. Good job. You don't really have to. Keep them. It doesn't matter. Give them back to her. <laughs> ah, so glad you're here today. Are you ready for the word this morning? Yeah, that's so interesting. All right, here we go. One more time. Are you ready for the word this morning? Come on. So we're like, yeah, are you doing it? Yeah, I'm doing it. So, okay. So let's get ready today. The kingdom. Everybody say the kingdom. kingdom. Come on. Now, you should say it differently after yesterday. 
Come on, the king, the kingdom. It should be a little more royalty after the wedding. How many got up early and watched it? Raise your hand. Y'all are awesome. Come on. And they got married, right? It was done. Everybody say the kingdom. We're talking about the kingdom. We're not talking about a kingdom in another country. We're talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And what we found in this series is that at salvation, God doesn't just save us from one kingdom, but he makes us citizens of his kingdom. Anybody thankful for that today? Citizens of his kingdom. Then he doesn't stop there. Then he takes us and makes us ambassadors of that kingdom in the earth. So you and I, as believers of Jesus Christ, are called not just to be citizens of heaven's kingdom, but to be ambassadors of that kingdom here on the earth. And we talk about the kingdom of heaven and being an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. We've been talking about the culture of the kingdom. You hear that word a lot in our society. It's a, a, the culture. And the words we've been focusing on uh, with culture are the laws, the languages, and the currency of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven has different laws than the kingdom of earth. The kingdom of heaven has different language than the kingdom of earth. And the kingdom of heaven has different currency than the kingdom of earth. I've talked about that for a couple of weeks. I want to continue on today talking about the currency of heaven. How many can tell me what the currency of heaven is? Just raise your hand. Yeah. All right. For those of you that were here last week, you already know it. Unless you have ADD like I do and you may have already forgotten it. So I'm going to remind you again. The currency of the kingdom is giving. Everybody say giving. John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And last week we spent a little while looking at how God gave. I think we all understand that he gave, but we want to look at the culture of it, like how did God give. And there are three things that we touched on last week. Number one, he gave what was needed He saw the need. He saw that we needed a Savior, and so he gave us one. Remember, we're supposed to be ambassadors and representatives of how God gives. God gives what is needed. He does not withhold what he knows he can help us with. How many of you are guilty at times from withholding something that you know you could give to someone else? Is it just me? Or you may not withhold them, you just wait till they pay for it, right? You're going you're gonna to trade it with them. You're gonna, and that's not what God did. God gave what was needed. I hear it many times as a, as a pastor that people will say, well, I'm just waiting till I feel compelled. I'm waiting for that call. Can I say something very clearly to you today? The need is the call. Some of you are waiting for the heavens to open up. And Gabriel, the angel, to come down with his buddy Michael and put a sword on your nose and say, this is your calling. When there is a need right there, you have the resources to meet that need. Do you know the greatest missionaries in the world never had this Pauline experience where the heavens are ripped open? It just, they saw a need and they met the need. God gives what is needed. That's how God gives. Secondly, God didn't just give what is needed. He gives more than what is needed. You thankful for that today? 
He saw that we needed a Savior, but He didn't just give us a Savior. He gave us His Son, His one and only Son. Some words we've been talking about here lately are first and best. That's what God gives. If you and I could start using that filter in anything that we're giving, is this my first and is this my best? You're going to find that your relationships, your well-being, your walk with God gets better and richer and fuller because you're giving the first and the best. How many of you like receiving the leftovers from someone? Just, hey, would you like this last sip of water that I've been drinking on? No, no, I'm good. That's great, great, because I know what's at the bottom of that cup. Do not want it. Well, first and best. What if God gets the first of our day? What if our relationships, they get the best of us instead of the less of us? That's a good preaching right there. Amen. And then the third way that God gives, he sowed what he wanted to grow. You sow what you want to grow. If you want oranges, you do not plant apples. If you want to grow something, that's what you sow. God wanted a family, so he sowed a son. He gave his son. What do you want in your life? You need more love? You need more peace? Sow some peace. Need more joy? Sow some joy. Do people enjoy being around you? Sow some joy. How many want the best in your life? Four people. I'm taking yours then. I'm going to take yours. Come on. I want the best in my life. How do I get the best? I sow the best. That's what we talked about last week. I want to circle back on something that I touched on briefly last week. I felt it all during the week during my message prep. I, could, I just felt like the Lord was wanting me to get back to it and spend some time on it. I want to circle back to this. Last week, I, I made a statement. I said that we are ambassadors of the currency of heaven, which is giving, and yet we live in a world full of takers. How many remember me saying that? We are called to be givers, and yet we're surrounded by takers. Is it just me? Or do you find yourself around people that are always taking from you? You feel like when they walk in the room, it's just like turn on a Dyson vacuum cleaner. Like, just everything. Just me, 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 me. Yeah. And there's only so much of us that we can give. Only so much that can be taken away. And you feel depleted. We as human beings are takers. That's how we are. Because we're born in sin and iniquity. We're take, we come out of our mama's belly saying, feed me, change me, all about me. And as you grow up, you're supposed to grow out of some of that. But I have found that many times I revert right back to it a lot. It's all about me. So how do I become a giver when I'm naturally a taker? And how do I help other people move into giving when it's just natural to be a taker? How many would like for me to share with you today how we can do that? Yeah, yeah come on. I mean, we could all leave and go to Shoney's if y'all want to. Are there Shoney's still open here? There Shoney's? How many have never been to a Shoney's? Raise your hand. Oh, my dear Lord. Come on. That just hurts my heart. What about a Denny's? Anybody been to a Denny's before? Come on, let's do. Okay, hey, 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 just chill out. Don't mean you start going through all the restaurants you want to visit. Just stay, stay with me. All right, so you're with me. You want to know, right? 
Here's what I found. I found that it's hard to live with takers. That's not an easy life when you live with takers. It's even harder to give to takers because they don't see it as giving. They see it as you owe that to me because they have a victim mentality and they've been hurt. They've been beat up. Something happened to them and they feel like everybody owes them something. And so you don't even get the rewards of giving because they're like, I'm just going to take it. Yeah. So it's hard to live with a taker. It's hard to give to a taker. And it's nearly impossible to turn takers into givers. I'm going to say it again. It is nearly impossible to turn a taker into a giver. Have you found that to be true? And yet, that is precisely what God did. He took a world of takers and turned folks into givers. Look at what he did with the disciples who when you meet them are the most selfish and still you see spots of that coming out in them. He takes these guys, he spends three and a half years with them after they've lived for 30 or more years, he spends three and a half years with them and he takes these guys that it was all about them. Now, they're the guys that give their life for the gospel. The ultimate in giving, not just writing a check or setting up a chair or raising a kid or being nice to a homeless person. They laid their life down. How do you do that? In three and a half years, how do you turn a taker into a giver? You got to have a revelation. I want you to write this down. There's a few revelations that I feel like you need to have. Man. Sometimes, I always love preaching to this church. I love it. It's my favorite place to preach. That's good because I pastor it, so it works out real good for me. I know some pastor friends and that is not the case. But I I love preaching here. But there's some days like today that I can feel it. It's burning inside of me. I want you to get this today because God wants us to be like him. He wants his children to take on his attributes. And God, at his very essence, is a giver. He does a lot of things well, but what he really is, is a giver. And he wants his children to be like that. Some of you have been very open with me. And you've said during this series, you're like, I'm just not naturally a giver. I'm not naturally generous. I was raised where we didn't have a lot of money. And so I've been taught to hold on to it and hang on to it. Or some folks say I was raised with money and, and we're just used to having it around. I'm afraid that we may lose it. And somebody, it's been, been great to hear your honesty. Well, I want to help you today. How do you go from being a taker to being a giver? And then you can even be a generous person, and yet that selfishness comes out of you in an argument, comes out of you in a situation. Nod your head if I'm talking to you right now, all right? That's exactly right. So I want to help us with that. The first revelation that we have to have to move from being takers to be givers is a revelation of God's love. A revelation of God's love. Love. Look at 1 John 3.16. I always find it ironic that John 3.16 talks about the love of God and 1 John 3.16 talks about the love of God. We know what real love is. How many have ever been in love and you fell out of love? Would you just raise your hand? Yeah? How many have just loved someone you're like, oh my God, this is the only one ever and ever and ever and ever. And then you get to fourth grade and it's like, okay, maybe that wasn't the one for me, you know? Is love. Well, John says, we know what real love is. This is what 
real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. The only way that you and I can ever become real givers is to have a revelation of God's love for us. The love of God. It's been my prayer this week, this entire week, that no matter what you hear today or what you experience today, that you and I would have a revelation of God's love for us. The reckless love of God. That there's no shadow that he won't go against. There's no mountain he won't tear down. There's no wall he won't climb over and blow up. There's no lie he won't destroy because his love is just that extravagant for us. The love of God. Real love. The endless love of God that never, ever, ever ends. As long as eternity is, it keeps going. And eternity is a long time. It's not just a long time. It's no time. It keeps going. And on and on and on and on it goes. It just keeps going and going and going. The Bible talks about the love of God as far as the east is from the west. Do you know the east and west line doesn't stop when it hits the end of the globe? It's an infinite line that never stops. It just keeps going and going and going. The love of God. And I know that you make mistakes. And I know you do stupid stuff. I understand that. I understand that we're sinners. But the love of God. You're getting that? The extravagant love of God, not just a little drop, but he just pours it out. He gives every bit of it to us. The expansive love of God. Kristen quoted it a moment ago, the height, the depth, the length, and the breadth. It's that same thing, that line that just keeps going on and on and on. You can't run from it. You can't, you can't be separated from it. I mean, do I need to quote that many scriptures to you today? The love of God, a revelation of how much he loves you. How do we know what real love is? It just said it in our text. Because God, Jesus Christ, gave up his life for us. That word gave up. Did not lease it to us. Didn't rent it to us. He gave up his life for us. Can you imagine how valuable that life is? Look at what his life has done. And imagine taking that life and just giving it up. No contract, just going to take it and give it up. And the scripture says, this is how we know what real love is. I want us to have a revelation of God's love. The passionate, compassionate love of God. And then it says this, it says, bring that up for me again, 1 John 3, 16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, this incredible love. And then it says, so... We also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Leave that up for me right there. This first line to me is like, oh, real love. He gave up his life for me completely free. The mercy of God, the grace of God. I I can't deserve it. I I can't earn it. It's free. How many thankful for the free love of God? Amen. And then he follows it up with this. So we also ought. And when you read that, it's just kind of, yeah, here we go, right back into it. There is the religion. 
How many would agree with me? He loves us. Now you ought. That word ought, man, that just wears me out. Kristen's been helping with me because I, I do this all the time. I go, man, I need to. I got to. I should. And she said, why don't you start changing that from got to to want to? This changes the way I think now when I start saying, I don't need to. I want to do this. I'd like to do that, all right? But that word ought to, it just kind of takes it back. And Because we have a misunderstanding of what that scripture is saying. We think it's saying, because God gave, you ought to give. Raise your hand if that's how you see that. No, just me. Okay. God gave, you ought to give. As if there's some way that I could ever give enough that it would ever even out. And we feel like that we're not blessed and we're not forgiven because we haven't given enough. We haven't done enough. As if we could ever do anything. It's not a bartering system. It's not like God is saying, look, I gave. Now y'all got to give. It's got to be, it's got to be this. It's not about fairness. It's never going to be fair. We could never, ever give enough. But reality, that word when it says, so also we ought to give, it's really saying this. This is how the love of God is revealed. And as his children, you should do the same thing. It's not, you got to bring it up to God's level. It's, my daddy shows his love by giving. I want to be like my daddy, so I'm going to show his love by giving. Don't make it about a works thing. Make it about a love thing. You want to show God's love to those people around you? How do you do it? Okay, I'm just going to doze off for just a minute. Just whisper to your neighbor. Just tell him, say, give. Give. All right, here we go. I'm going to try it again. Rewind. You want to show God's love to those around you? How do you show God's love? Give. Give. He gave his life for me. He gave his life to me. And so now I give the life that he gave me to other people. And this is what reveals his love. The revelation of God's love will help you turn into the giver that God wants you to be. Which brings us to the second revelation. First revelation is a revelation of God's love. Second revelation is that this is not my life anyway. If you're taking notes, write that down. If your neighbor's not taking notes, raise your hand. I want to see him. No, I'm joking. Don't do that. (laughs) a revelation of God's love and a revelation that this is not my life anyway look at Galatians 2 and 20 on the screen my old self has been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of God who loved me And gave himself for me. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, your life is not your own. As soon as you confessed him as your Savior and asked him to come into your life and be Lord of your life, your life was over. And his life began to live in you. Now, 
a lot of believers don't have that revelation. And because of that, we're not living the incredible, miraculous, powerful, fruitful life that we can live because we're still trying to live our life. Look at what the scripture says in Romans 6 and 3. Or have you forgotten? Man, Paul knew we all had ADD, right? How many forget really easy, yeah? Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, you, were, you joined him in death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father. Now we also may live new lives. I want you to look at me, okay? Now I'm talking to some of you here today that you're not a believer of Jesus Christ. You've never been baptized. I want to encourage you to do that, all right? I want to encourage, I'm believing that after this message today, we're going to have scores of people that become believers and want to be baptized. If you are a believer and you have been baptized, I want you to rethink what that really means. We had a baptism service the other day. It was beautiful, cameras and family all gathered together and there was a celebration and you could feel it. But I think sometimes... Forgive my pun, baptism is a little watered down. It's just this symbolic thing that, oh, I'm now confessing in front of everybody that I'm Jesus is my Savior because I have wet hair, okay? <laughs> baptism, baptism, the Scripture tells us when you're baptized into Christ, there's a part of you that is buried and does not come back up. And when you come up out of that water, you now have new life in you. Oh, some of you are rethinking your baptism right now. I hope so. I want to encourage you today. If you have not thought of your baptism that way, you get that connect card. You check. I want to be baptized. I want that kind of new life. We'll do one next week. We'll roll that tank right out and just you can come off the inflatable right into the tank just like that. All right. We will do it. Come on, I'm serious. Look, I want you to get this today. The revelation of God's love for you and the revelation that your life is not your own. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have given up your life. Now, if that's not the kind of life that you're living today, you're going to have an opportunity to pray that prayer with new fervor like you've never had before. This is an understanding before we can ever be givers. We have to have this complete understanding that my life is not my own. I think we love the fact when that means all the bad stuff, right? But what about all the stuff that we like? If my life is not my own, then my wife is not my own. My family is not my own. Suddenly I begin to look at my relationship with Kristen as a representative, a representation of Christ's love for the church. And now, when I speak harshly to her, when I withhold from her, change it. See that? It's not my life, so it's not my wife. They're not my children. He simply placed them into my life for me to steward them and raise them and grow them. It's not my job. It's not my car. It's not my money. Now, when you have that understanding that it's not my life, 
it's not so hard to give anymore. How many can give somebody else's money away really easy? It changes the whole mindset. A dead person has no property. A dead person has no rights. What if you and I could have a clear understanding that God's love is so expansive and He gave it freely. And because of that great love, I want to do the same thing. I want to have such an expansive love for Him and for His people that I will just give it freely. And what happens is giving is this, there's this incredible miracle that happens once you give something away. And that's what resurrection is. I give, but there's no resurrection without death. And giving is a form of death. Look at what Jesus said in John 12, 23. Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter in His glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. Look at me. How many like sunflower seeds? You like them? How many like it? Pop them right down the road, pop them like that. If you take the seed, that one seed, I'm a tad bit hungry. That's it. Done. That's all you get out of it. If it is alone, it abides alone. That's all you get, that one salty moment, all right? However, if you take that seed, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives, you take that seed and give it away. Hold on to it. That's all the harvest you ever get. Give it away. Plant it. Trust the process. Put it in the ground. There you go. See, that's giving away, burying it. It's a form of death to give away. He says, those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. This is not my life. And so the seed is not my seed. And so it's free to give. But it takes this mindset of being willing to die. Because giving really is losing possession of it. Come on, it's not giving if you're still holding on to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, here, take this, please. Take, take that $20, please take it. You ever, met, you ever been to dinner with a guy that has T-Rex arms? You know, I'm like, no, I got this. Let me get it, man. Come on, bro, just extend that thing all the way out, okay? And just let it go. Look at your neighbor. If you don't know them, introduce yourself to them. That's kind of awkward that you sat by them for about 40-something minutes and didn't know them. But go ahead. It's all right. Look at them, introduce yourself to them. All right? And I want, you to, I want you to say this. I want you to say this to them. I want you to say, giving. Everybody, giving requires it leaving your hand. It's not renting. It's not investing. It's giving. And giving without any expectation of a return. Well, I'm going to say that again. Giving without any expectation of that return. Think about how God gave. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son and did not make us sign a contract before He sent Him. Did not ask for, for us to show Him our portfolio of how we're going to Treat his investment in us. He just gave it freely with absolutely no promise that anybody would accept his son. 
That's what giving is. It's saying, this is not mine. I give it freely. We'll be talking about it in the next several weeks. That's why tithing is so important. Tithing is important. We believe in tithing. The word tithe means 10% or first fruit. Everybody say first fruit. Now, for us, that would be whenever you receive that, that increase, that you would take that first 10% and you would give that. Now, you look at that and you go, well, I know I've still got this much left in the bank, right? I got $100, I'm going to give 10 I've got 90 left. I can see it. That's not how it was when this was instituted. When this was instituted, you take the first fruits. As soon as that apple tree gives fruit, you take that first harvest and you take it and give it to God with absolutely no promise that that tree will ever produce fruit again. Or when the mama sheep, I don't know what you call a mama sheep. I don't know, I have any idea. So we'll call it a mama sheep, okay? And I don't want to know, so don't shout it out, all right? A mama sheep, it just sounds better to me. Uh, when that mama sheep gives her first lamb, the first fruit is you take that lamb and you take it to the house of God with no promise that she will ever give another lamb. Does that change your thought process? See, tithing is about trusting. It's saying, God, I'm going to take what has been given because I know it's not really mine. But I'm going to show my trust by giving you that first fruit and watch you do what you do so well. And the scripture says, if you will bring your tithes and offerings to the Lord, he will open up the windows of heaven and pour blessings on you that you cannot contain. How many want that kind of blessing? Put your hand down. How many are ready to give that kind of giving? It requires a death. It requires this attitude of saying, this is, this is not mine. Let me just say, come play something. Will you play so I'll be quiet? We got another service. And I, I could just go on and on. Giving is an ultimate act of faith because there's no promise. It's giving freely. It's, this is what I have. I'm giving it away. There's something supernatural that happens when we give. There's a resurrection that takes place. But before there can ever be resurrection, there has to be death. We all want the miracles, right? Nobody wants the mess. We love the resurrection, but what about the death? I want you to look at me. I want you to hear my heart today. Man, it's so in here. Sometimes I don't feel like I convey it correctly what I'm feeling here. But I, I want to say this, this this way. The revelation of giving is really a revelation of the gospel. Because God gave. And it's a covenant. How many of you know that in a covenant there are two parties? And God gave. And we receive it freely. But the other part of that covenant is that I would take on that same attribute. And become a giver as well. I don't take, I don't keep record of wrong. I don't keep a chart of what I've given to them. They haven't given back to me. Just give. And if you're a giver, then you don't have to worry about takers because they're not taking, because you're giving. And there's no blessing in being taken from, but there is an incredible blessing when you give. I want you to hear this clearly. 
This is not about your money. This is about your life. This is not about your money. This is about your life. It's not about your your serving. It's not about that. It's about your life. I think sometimes we can write a check easier than giving our life. Have you really given your life to Jesus? I'm not talking about a raised hand, which is incredible. I'm not talking about even a confession. I'm talking about have you given your life to Jesus? Really, completely, all of it. Let's stand today. Now, normally we come to this part of the service. I'll tell you, be seated, stay seated, close your eyes. No one looking around, not today. Because Jesus said, if you'll acknowledge me in front of people, I'll acknowledge you in front of my Father. Today, I want to ask you, have you given your life to Jesus Christ? I'm not asking you, are you a believer? You can be a believer and not give. I'm not asking you, are you a follower? I'm not asking you, are you a Christian? I'm not asking you, to you go to the hills? I'm asking you, are you, have you given your life to Jesus? And I'm going to tell you the best way to know that. Is if I ask you, is there a part of you that God does not have full access to? And if there is, you have not given your life to Jesus Christ. Again, no guilt. You hear me? There's no guilt. He gave, so now we give. Are you giving your life freely to others? In this room are representatives of people that have done that and are doing that. It's not just in the Bible. In this room, I don't want to embarrass them, but there are people in this room that just, they're just givers. They give of themselves, they give of their money, they give of their time, they give of their energy. And you're around them, you know who they are. What if we all just became that? Nashville would be changed in a day if we all just became givers. So I want to ask you today, whether you've never asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, or if you have, but today there's a new revelation that you have of the love of God and a new revelation that you have. Man, I, I, I want to give everything I have. If that's you today, just raise your hand. I want to give my life to Jesus. Come on up high. Look around. I want to give my life to Jesus. Oh, man. Do you think this makes our Father happy? Come on, everyone in the room, raise your right hand. Come on, lift your head up toward heaven. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, everybody. Lord Jesus. Thank you for giving. Thank you for loving. Forgive me for being selfish. Today, I repent of myself. I repent of my sin. I repent. I give my life to you. Cover me with your blood. Fill me with your spirit. And help me to live an overcoming, abundant, and everlasting life with you. In the mighty name of Jesus.